And all right, so I guess this means we're live. Um, I'll share, just in case anyone doesn't have the handout, I'll quickly share that over, uh, over the chat. And, uh, and then we'll jump in. As I mentioned before, our goal is to look at, uh, to look at parallels um, uh, parallels between, or to, to look at statutory interpretation within Jewish law, as opposed to biblical interpretation or places that people generally start looking at, uh, looking to when thinking about how interpretation works, to, to start with interpretation of human-made laws, such as uh, takanos, uh, enactments made by people, or, uh, or staros, contracts written between people, how those are interpreted within, uh, within halacha. This is a pretty big topic. I'm assuming most people didn't get through the handout and there's a lot more that's not on the handout. So we're gonna move quickly uh, and hopefully be able to cover the, uh, the, some of the broader points here. Um, so just to, to jump in, the sugya we're gonna see mostly, mostly is focused on Simon Reish Kaf Ches, which itself is very long, but one piece there, Sivkata uh, Nun. So most, most of what we're gonna look at is uh, the sources that are quoted by the uh, Beis Yosef uh, and uh, and friends there and Darche Moshe too, um, but we'll just start by talking about the question of who has the has the right to interpret and a couple of other preliminary things, including uh, the question of neder. Right. So in general, nedarim is another area of human constructed prohibitions that is can be open to interpretation. So the general rule that the Gemara has uh, this is in source two or the Mishnah nedarim stam nedarim lahachmir. Your average neder, your standard neder, we're machmir, all things equal, we're stringent, but there's room to interpret the neder uh, such that it's more lenient. And who has the authority to interpret it? The person who made the neder. So this, uh, the Shulchan brings this down in source number one. You say this, these fruits should be like salted meat. Salted meat could just mean meat, which is most of the year mutter. Or salted meat could refer to carbonos, which is usur, usur for non-sacrificial purposes. So if you say it's like carbonos, you're saying it's usur. So what are you, are you saying these paras are usur or not? If it's unclear like that, we assume it's usur. If the person who made the nether said, no, 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 I didn't mean it should be like the meat of a carbon, it should be like the meat of a non-carbon, uh, then it's mutter. He doesn't need shale. He doesn't go to a chacham to undo it because we have room for perushim. So we see there's this principle, the dharm at least, there's room to interpret uh, by the person who made the nether to allow for it. Now we'll see there's a, a parallel, uh, there's a parallel idea that comes up by Takanos. Number three here, the Shochanara. Uh, writes lashon mesupak baskama becherem, right? So language that's unclear in an agreement or a cherem, which is a communal prohibition, or uh, right? Nidon kefi mashiyomru rov hakahal shahiza kavanasa mishas hacherem. So similar to the idea of stam nedar lahachmir purushim hakel, that by a, a communal enactment, which is generally seen as right, it's called a cherem. Cherem is a form of an oath. And, uh, and that's a takana. Takana is called a cherem. So it, with a communal uh, prohibition by oath, you decide based on what the community originally wanted, just like with the neder. How do you decide what the community wanted? You ask the majority view. 
Okay, so that works as long as you have the group there, right? It's just like a net there. You make a net there, it's not clear what you meant. You can explain it and go, go ahead. Community makes a, a takana, not clear what they meant. They, by majority, can decide what it means and go forward. You follow majority. What if they make a special, uh, special dispensation? They say, we're going to interpret not based on what we said, but we'll, we'll appoint someone. So-and-so is the, uh, the interpreter for all Lashon Mesupak. So he can't judge based on his own estimation. He needs to judge based on how he sees the language of that agreement and that enactment. So already we're going to see this fleshed out more, but already we've seen so far discussion about uh, deciding based on the, in, uh, the intent of the authors of the Takana, right? At least the authors themselves are empowered to interpret uh, based on their, or, or to clarify the law based on their own uh, based on their own uh, intent, their own claimed original intent. And sometimes you have a situation where someone's empowered to interpret. He interprets not based on his own thought, but based on the text. Lashon Haskamavahatakana. That's based on the Rashba. Fine. And then Kherim Shainatsi Riyachalam, which was a different issue entirely. Now, this Rashba that we're talking about. Um, okay. Oh, yes? Well, the. Um... When when it says that the person in omit the person can't turn me on the dots of the are you reading that as the language is independent of the intent of the of the of the authors, or that as opposed to what he thinks is best, he has to use the language to best right to best interpret it the way he thinks it was intended. Certainly, it means the second. I think it also means the first. But why don't we get to the to the primary sources that discuss this? Um, fine. So. The, yeah, so first, the first point here to work with is, uh, and this is an interesting point made by, by the Rashba, although not the, there'll be another Rashba that'll be more on point, but for now, more a preliminary uh, Rashba. Um, he says, Deushiko, this is the underlined part, right? The question was, um, in a case where you say that unclear language will be decided by Brurim, uh, which probably means Borim, which means some sort of ad hoc judges, um, what do they do if they disagree? So he says, So first of all, anytime you say this text will be interpreted by this panel, um, that's not a court. That's just a group of people. So they need to agree. So, some, similar to what some uh, say about Shara. Shara, you need the Besdin to agree because it's not a Besdin. It's, uh, it's a panel and there's no such thing as majority uh, that's not through Besdin. Just I think you can quibble on all those points, but fine, that's what the Rashba says here. Um, and if they don't agree, then, then you're sort of stuck, or you, and they're putter because they have no agreement. They didn't uh, come forward with anything. Next, underline, So the community itself is empowered to empower others to interpret. They themselves can interpret. They can decide that other people uh, can interpret ahead of time. Um, but if there's if there's a deadlock, if uh, and there's no no base no agreement as to what they mean based on the panel, they're stuck. They can't say okay, you know someone else will have to interpret it now. We go to the higher courts. That's just interesting in terms of who's empowered to uh, interpret. But let's move now to our primary question, which we already saw a little bit in source three. Um, but we're going to deal with now frontally, which is the question of how does one interpret on what basis. So it starts with the tour. The tour doesn't really get into this himself too much, but this is sort of this, the jumping off point. 
Medrash another may atzmal das shnayim yesh lo atara. He will blow that to Medrash another by Rabim yesh lo atara. The darvish nacharim shematil and akal lo mikri al das Rabim al bisha amr al das hamakom. Right. Well, we say uh, somehow uh, uh, Kol Nidre will be our our guide here because the language of Kol Nidre is just the standard language of a takana. Al das hamakom al das takal as many varlach as you can say about it was just the standard way that you would make a takana. Um, so you'd say al das hamakom al das takal. It doesn't even mean that literally. Um, it, it just means just sort of the standard language. But Alfi Shamar al Dasamakom, it really means uh uh fine, it really it doesn't count as a Nedra Das Rabin, which has certain uh stringencies in terms of undoing it. Fine. Um that's the tour. That's not really that doesn't really get into our issues, but the base Yosef on the tour, uh, and then the Dark Moshe on this tour do get into our issues. So let's let's jump in. We're gonna look at Passages in the base Yosef, see what they're corresponding to in the Rishonim, try to look in the original and see what conclusions we can draw from it. So, uh, the base Yosef writes again, this is uh, uh, Nun, or corresponds to Nun in the Shulchan Arps. They stick the Nun back in the base Yosef. Because of Masha is Kiru, Aldas Hamachmir Shabakahal. So, first of all, there's an idea that you write uh, that you interpret it, you go based on the Machmir. So, what does that mean? First of all, don't be confused by this idea that, um, you know, we'll always follow the stringent interpretation of this passage. That doesn't mean that if you then say, oh, what did it mean? And you have 10 people disagreeing about what it meant. One, the one nine think it means a lenient thing. One thing means a stringent thing that you follow the stringent person. That's not what uh, Das uh, Machmir means. It means to not allow for uh, for uh, workarounds and trickeries to undo it. That's all it means, right? So look at source seven. This is based on the rebush, as as you can see, um, right? The, the parentheses people added the citation to the rebush, even the updated citation. Nun Zayin. So we'll just read the underlined part. Um, but it's again, it's a case where the the star had said interpretation will go based on on the machmir. And here's, here's how he explains it. Umashe is kiru, bechirem, aldas ha-machmir shavakahal, right? You think that means of all the people in the community, the person who has the most machmir interpretation we follow. That's not what it means. There's she'ena kavana lomar she'ya lashon acherem nadun al piha machmir, v'shilach ha-kal ha-kerna. So eladatam ha-yavizeh, lo'otzi midei kol ha-rama. Just means that uh, no no funny business. It means, uh, you know, it means what it's supposed to mean. You can't make up that it's uh, more makeable than that. Fine, that's point number one. Next, back in base Yosef. Uh, right, there's a case there. Does this does this uh, uh, enactment apply only to individuals' houses or to communal houses? That's a machlokas there. Uh, so this is the idea we saw in in the Shofar. Here it is in the Beis Yosef that the group, uh, a majority group of the kahal that made this enactment, can interpret. What they meant, they said this enactment that goes on houses. They can clarify they meant uh, only on individual people's houses. Now, even if of this, let's say, group of 20 people made the kind of, even if a few of them intended that would go on everyone's house, even the uh, even non yachid's houses, you, you follow the majority. You follow majority. Why? Because the whole enactment was based on majority, right? Towns, you, it's not like a free-for-all. Anyone can make any enactment. You need majority vote of the town to make the enactment. Some interesting, uh, I don't know if you want to call it constitutional uh, questions here, but that, that for another time. We're just dealing with interpretation right now. 
and the, the minority group who says, no, it's actually more machmir, it applies to more, they are bound by the lenient interpretation of the majority. They need to clarify not just that now they don't want to prohibit everything, but that originally their intent was not to prohibit everything. And also not to use this broad language, as is written, they only meant the house of the individuals. They accidentally said the wrong thing, but they meant to say the limited formulation. And now an interesting uh, distinction he's about to make. See if people can understand this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it works exactly. Let's say they intended, they knew what they were doing when they said language that was more inclusive, more machmir. They meant to use that language. But they only wanted to prohibit a smaller group, right? So they said, everyone, you know, uh, I don't know, everyone is not allowed to, uh, to, uh, to wear glasses. And they didn't really mean everyone. They really only wanted it to be, uh, you know, all people who can see decently well. But uh, if, they, if they meant to use the word everyone, and that wasn't the mistake, they said everyone, they meant everyone, even if somehow they thought it shouldn't apply to some people, it still applies to everyone. So this is, it sounded like uh, the Rivash, and we'll see the Rivash, uh, the Rivash inside, I think I, I cited the wrong part in source eight, but those words are word for word, I just checked. He says the same exact thing. So this idea, uh, the Rivash has this idea that it depends on what language they intended to use. If they used one word and meant to use a different word, then you can swap words. But if they meant to use the words they meant, but they didn't want it to apply as broadly, then we go by the language rather than the intention. So this is sort of a, a pulling back a little bit, right? The Rivash in several places says we, we focus on the intention of the community and they can redefine their intention, but there's a bit of a limitation here. We can only redefine their intention for what words they wanted to use. If there's somehow a gap between the words they wanted to use and the application they wanted, we follow the words they intended to use. So it's a, this is a bit of a mix, a, a, a mashup here. On the one hand, you follow the intent, the original intent, but only the, the originally intended language, not the originally intended uh, application. So that's a bit of a pullback in the Rivash, assuming that that distinction really makes sense, which again, the Beis Yossi brings it down, it would seem to think he thinks it, although in the Shulchan Aruch, he doesn't get into that level of detail. Can I, um, uh, yes. Is there something peculiar about, it sounds to me, that you're telling this is ridiculous historically, that Akrino Kerem was enacted without a written text. And recorded afterwards. Without, sorry, was enacted without. Without a written text, and then recorded afterwards. And the question is whether the written version of the Takana corresponds to the intent of the vote, which was not on a written text. Is that historically absurd? Um, so this is a question. I, I mean, the right, the best example of this is Cherem uh, Derbeno Gershom, where right, where no one knows the actual text, and we have no case of it. But just because we don't have the text doesn't mean that there wasn't the text originally. It doesn't. I, it sounds here like uh, it sounds here like we're talking about um, right the original text, at least that they said. I don't know if they wrote it down, but at least it sounds like it's talking about the text that they said, and maybe they got mixed up. But they wanted to say uh, that text. So I don't think there was a major gap, at least in the case the Rivash is talking about here. There was a major gap between what they said and what was written. Again, there could be a conceptual gap, but I, I don't see a big temporal gap here. 
Um, I thought we uh, have which rhyming which verse we're, we're in eight now, or, or which verse we're never we're in. So it, it's the end of it's it's Shin Lamed Aleph, but I I quoted the part part of eight that was sort of relevant, but not the most relevant part. The most so relevant part here, has language. I think just that word for word here. I can pull it up. Right. Well, in the Beisiosim, here's the one that I wanted. Right, the Gamlo. Their intention was not Lamar Lashon Hakol Ahuz Asher Nitzah. Right, that's what I was coming. From. Right, they didn't intend to. They didn't intend to use that broad language as it was written. Well, why does why does he say it was their intention to say something different? Why can't he just say they said something different? Right, if your if your interpretation were correct, you'd expect he would just say they said X. Someone else wrote Y. So that's why I'm wondering whether there was any text at all. Like, you know, we, we have this vision, you know, the Java's Rules of Order vision version that there has to be a vision, that there has to be a text and the community votes on the text. But you have a different vision, which I think is common, let's say, in uh, the Quaker movement, Quaker organization functions that way, where you debate the question and then there's a sense of the meeting and then someone is, the, right, like minutes, right? Somebody is deputed to write the sense of the meeting afterwards. And then that, but that person, that person, unless they wrote in the Haskama that the person who writes it down gets to interpret it, that person is just doing their best to convey the sense of the meeting. The meeting. There's no actual text that anybody right that that the community ever. Right, I, the, but but if that were the if that were what was meant here, you would expect them to say not avalim haisa kavanasam lomar lashon shekolel, but avalim amru lashon shekolel akol, right? Avim. Okay. I'll, we'll right. and, I mean, and the word Lomar can have different meanings, so that's what we're Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so this seems to be a bit of a, a pulling back on the intent. However, exactly you construe the uh, physical, uh, you know, the uh, material context of it. It's not. It's not that whatever they intended in terms of results works. Just whatever they intended in terms of language is is what counts. I mean, now a third a third paragraph here. In the base Yosef, it comes up again. The Rivash, my blush and askama suffic, Rawi lahachmer, me pnei chomer, and need to be a harem, shakibula laskamai, Jokin bolo chumra, kmobishar, nadarim. Right? When in doubt, suffic, nadarim, lahachmer, same thing, suffic, haramim, or haramos lahachmer. It's not standard lahachmer, then Kasav Gamasimin, Rishan phase, Kasav Shamsha, no dream, you home the vire, Kavanasam, Mahisimitrila, in lahachmer, lahakel. But they are able, the nodrim, right? Those who made the, the nether are allowed to clarify what they meant. Now, here, right, if, if, the, if, it's, if the text can mean different things, what, what they said or what was written can mean different things, they can clarify what they actually meant. Because of Odsham, and he also throws in there, we'll look at this inside in a second, that um, presumably in their agreements, they do not intend to punish people who are shogig. Okay, so we're going to see what we do with this. This is going to be interesting. Um, fine. Um, I think number nine doesn't, source number nine doesn't add too much, just, just what or more or less what the base Yosef said, but number 10 is very, uh, very interesting. So, so here's the story, right? Ochal, the Kahal Sheskimu, they made this agreement, they made this cherem. Uh, Right, this is what's known as a monopoly. They uh, they made it to kind of no one is allowed to bring wine into here. Right, 
Big major knas, if you violate this rule and bring in wine, there's only one wine provider for the whole town. So this is the monopoly they gave to uh, whatever, Imboter uh, Lakone Hashisha. And uh, fine, and a very strong language, right? Uh, sounds pretty uh, absolute. Not only that, they answered that wine in Hanak unless you have some special dispensation. Otherwise, it's answer. Someone came visiting from out of town, didn't know better, brought uh, some wine for his uh, for his Shabbos host. You just say this wasn't Ruvain's plan for him to break the monopoly. He brought it by accident. He didn't know any better. And then it's Rimutter. Do you think he, this is a terrible uh, breach? That he did, and uh, and it should be asked. So that's the question. Chuba. Now the rebush answers. He's not from the town. Maybe he didn't even know about Takana. We can presume, or we might presume, that the Takana here wasn't meant for Shogim. The goal here is to uh, to protect the monopoly. The goal is not for unwitting people be uh, stuck in this trap to, to violate this terrible uh, prohibition and create more uh, more wine that's wasted. The only, the only uh, was, the, probably the was only on the people in the town, not unsuspecting outsiders. Right? Uh, if it's out of towners, they don't know any better. That was never the intention of the town for the town to include this. Someone brought a little bit as a gift. That was never intended to be included. Now look at the language, right? You read the language, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that that's included. As soon as, as, soon as you start thinking about intent and you think about the goals, so then maybe you would exclude it. That's what the uh, Rebash is saying You get the uh, you get the Masakim together. They say this is not what we meant. It's fine. The language couldn't be clear. It's very inclusive. It includes this case. Maybe this whole thing is only meant to include people in the town. Right, maybe when we say shum adam ba'olam, maybe that means uh, you know for any person in this town, no one in the world can bring in anything. Okay, it's a little bit of a dachok reading. Fine. Since the language is the kana can uh, can fit with can tolerate such an interpretation. For that reason, they can interpret that they didn't mean to include this case and stam nadarim perusham lehakel. Jump to the later underline. Omnam im ena kaho omanigim mevarim mahis gonasamitchila b'dakanahi. Aser menastam the stam nadarim lehachmir. 
if they don't explain in this way, then it's usher because stamadarm uh, lahachmir. I mean, I don't even know if you need to say stamadarm lahachmir. The language is pretty clear. So you need, you need the call to say that they never intended that this be the case. Um, now, uh, you know, as much as the rebush seemed to back off a bit before, this seems like an extreme example of, of uh, you know, if you're, if you meant to say the words that would asser X, but you didn't necessarily think about all the consequences and consequence Y you actually don't want to include, we follow your intention over your language, even if you say later on, we never meant to prohibit Y. We only meant to prohibit X. And you say, ah, the language prohibits Y as well. No, we don't care what the language is. You, as long as there's some way that you can fit your interpretation with the language, as long as yispo, as long as the, your, uh, the text can tolerate your very dachuk interpretation, that's good enough. So it seems like that's the Rivash's view. Again, the previous limitation notwithstanding, and, and you have to think about how exactly that goes. It seems pretty clear for here, I mean, if you're saying shum adam ba'ola means shum adam ba'ir, that's pretty. That's a pretty dachuk interpretation. He says it's good enough to be sovel, and that's that's what we go with. But really, um, uh, original intent is king over language. It would seem in the Rivash's view. Yeah, I just I'm fascinated by this tshuva. They only meant people who would know about it, which means the town. 
וכיוון שלושון התחנה יספו הפירוש להתיר, כל נוזר לבר מייסא כמה נסה מתחילה, since it could fit that meaning, they can say that that's what they meant originally, and סתם נדרים פירושם להתיר. Fine, next paragraph in the, in the, דרכי משה. וכן כסף בסימן תוף נון זין, למסכני אחרים לכל אחר כך לבר מייסא כמה נסה, וזה לשונו, מה שהזכירו בחרם על דס המחמיר, this we saw in the already. Um, fine, and we'll skip the next two lines because just for reasons of clarity, we'll get to them later. But the last three lines here, Kasav, Beis Yosef, Koshen Mishpat, Tesvav, Tumas HaRashba. Now we're going to look at the Rashba, which is the alternate uh, view here. V'kahal she'asu takana, v'kasfu, she'ei kol inyane ha-takana, v'chol lashon ha-mesufak sheba, nidon al-pifoni, Right, they say, they make a takana and they say, we are taking the takana out of our own hands. We will not interpret our takana. Ploni will interpret our takana. Ein lo oso dayan, ladun be'omedato. If we speak on an Indian, that judge, that person who was appointed as the interpreter, cannot interpret based on his own reasoning. If we speak on an Indian, elorak mashin nira be'enav, shesovel lashon takana. He can only interpret based on what he thinks the language of the takana fits with. What they meant. Now, the way that the that the Darche Moshe puts this, he formulates it very much about intention, right? What the language fits as, and what the original enactors intended. However, if we look first, let's look at the Beis Yosef that the Darche Moshe is quoting, and then we'll look at the Rashba that the Beis Yosef is quoting. A little bit of uh, telephone here. So, source number twelve, the Beis Yosef. Right, I was appointed as the grand interpreter for this town's takanos. Should I use my best uh, judgment as to what will work best for this takana? Or can I not go by what I think works best, but I need to focus on the meaning of the language? So this is the question uh, posed to the Rashba. The Heshiv, Ilu Kasvu Kol Inyan Mechudash, Kol Lashem Asupak, Yenid Al Piponi. If they said all new matters, you adjudicate. Then you're in charge of the well-being of the city. Then you can decide what's best for the city. Aval Elu Shkasvu Kol Inyan Hatakana, Kol Lashem Mesupak, Yenid Al Piponi. Since they didn't say that, you're not, not that you're in charge of all new things. You're just in charge of this takana, of interpreting this takana. So, uh, therefore, you need to, uh, uh, you can't do it based on your own will or your own uh, best judgment, per se. You have to do it based on the language. They didn't allow you to judge only what's written in the book. There's a book that has the takanos in it. You are in charge of interpreting the takanos in the book, period. They didn't say you will, will say you, you'll 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 uh, judge based on whatever you say, but you'll judge based on whatever you judge, whatever you interpret. Therefore, you need to stick to the script, right? Work with the text and nothing else. Now, notice the base Yosef, which is more or less faithfully quoting the, the Rashba, says nothing about intent. So there's a gap between the way the base Yosef is quoting the Rashba and the way. The Darche Moshe quotes the Beis Yosef quoting the Rosh, but the, 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 the Darche Moshe tries to shunt this into uh, authorial intent. Use the text as a window into what the, uh, what the 
authors of the Takana meant. Beis Yosef has no hint of that. The point is, you are in charge of interpreting these texts. That's what you were appointed to do. That's what you do. Let's look at the Rashba, 13 and 14. They're technically two different chuvas of the Rashba, although the language is almost identical, except for very minor uh, preposition changes. Actually, if you want to know, probably if you want to know uh, what uh, sort of errors copy, uh, scribes who copy things make, you probably should compare 13 and 14 and see, you know, a lamin here instead of a cuff and a, right? All sorts of minor things that make no difference in, in meaning. So uh, that, that'll leave as an, as an exercise for, for you all. But we'll just look at uh, one of these Rashvas, 13, which again, we just saw quoted two different times. Right? They said, I interpret all things, uh, or at least all takanos. Do I need to go with what will work best for the city? Or with the meaning of the language, um, yeah. Um, right. So, but they didn't say that. They, what they said instead was, They said, you're in charge of this Hakana matter. They didn't say you're in charge of all new things for the community. You can't do it based on your own will. You have to do it based on what the language says. And again, the Rashbir says nothing about the intention. So it's clear the base Yosef's quote of the Rashba is much more precise than the uh, the uh, Darke Moshe's quote. And I see no indication whatsoever that the Rashba is concerned with authorial intent. What the Rashba cares about is the meaning of the words, right? So um, the, as some of you may know, there are two different theories, or there's more than two, but there's two big theories of uh, you know what's called originalism. One is to look at the original, the intent of the framers, uh, if we're talking about the Constitution, or what the people who wrote the laws actually thought and meant. And you can do that based on context. You can see if they wrote, let's say, a bunch of papers uh, to each other, and then they wrote a Constitution, you can extrapolate from one to the other. That's one approach. The other approach is very much a strict construction, a constructionism approach, is focused on the text that was produced, the text of the law, Constitution, statute, whatever it will be. You focus on that, and you don't think about what they may have me meant, what uh, you know, what they thought in general. All you know is what the words say. Of course, you need to interpret what words mean. You need to know a little bit about what words meant at the time. That makes it a little trickier. But you're not interested in their intention. You're interested in what the text says. And I think the Rashba, sources 13 and 14, as cited by the Beis Yosef in 12, and not as cited by the Dark Emotion in 11, very much fits this idea that we go with the language of the text that's what you were appointed to be. You were appointed as the grand interpreter of the text and nothing beyond that. Now, there's a, an interesting question we can raise. Is this Rashba telling us how law or how statutes or how takano should be interpreted in general? Or is the Rashba limited to this case where this person was specifically empowered to interpret the laws um, based on, you know, and, and they said what, you know, what, uh, what's written in this law book? You're in charge of the takana. Maybe if it wasn't that, if it was, I don't know, let's say a, a group made a takana, they all died, everyone forgot. And then we need to figure out, let's say like Gershon, we need to figure out what the 
what the original takana was, then what do we do? Then do we try to figure out the intention? Would the Rashba say that? Or do, would the Rashba still say we follow the text? Can't know for sure, but I think it, it could very well be that the Rashba would say that all statutory interpretation, uh, we look for the, we look at the text and we try to base, base our interpretation on the text itself rather than on the, uh, the uh, intentions of the framers or the authors of the Takana. So I think this is like a first level machlokas between the Rivash and the Rashba about how to interpret statutes. Do you follow the original intent of the framers? Do you look at the text? Now the Rashba might say that if the, if the same community group is there, maybe then, you know, maybe then they can go by their intention or at the very least they can always uh, undo or revoke or shift the Takana. So, you know, maybe that, that changes things a bit, but in principle, if you're interpreting rather than reissuing a Takana for the Rashba, you follow the text and for the Rivash, you follow the intent of the people who wrote the laws. So that's part one. Any questions or thoughts on this? Um, that's really very cool. I, I love that. That's, I really need to, to read that Rashba over many times. Uh, I need to read that Rashba over many times before I'm going to to make sure. I think it's really cool. I just wonder, right? You know, there's an excluded middle. He says you can't use your own discretion as to what is best. Rather, you have to use, and you have to use the text. The, the middle ground is right. It's left out in Rashba. He doesn't talk about your best impression of what they meant. So the Dark Moshe, it seems to me, comes along and says, whenever you interpret, you're supposed to interpret a text, you're always supposed to interpret the text in accordance with your best impression of what people meant. And the Rashba comes along and says, no, the way you interpret a text is, right, is, is, a, is a hard version of Lady and Barn. And you have to try and you, right? So this seems to me like there's three issues, right? There's the three issues of law, right? There's the original discretion of some sort of living constitution, that kind of stuff. Then there's the legislative history approach. Right? What, right? what is most likely intended by this law? And then there's the text, right? the Scalia approach, right? the textual approach. So I'm wondering whether the Mahlokit here is, maybe you're, oh, we should just, but I wonder if the Mahlokit is going to be what you're setting up, and Dark Emotion is joking, which I agree entirely. I think that's very, very cool. That's really very, very cool. Is about, I, I would suggest even if it's between the Scalia school and the other conservatives about whether you would, whether given a text to interpret based on the intent of the authors of the text or on the language of the text, which is, and, not, and both of them agree, you don't interpret based on what you think will be best in the text meant. Yes, all right. Assuming I, I, I caught parts of that, um, but assuming I understood you correctly, or maybe I can just interpret based on uh, what I think is best. Um, yeah, so both, both approaches are, are avoiding, and we'll, we'll get to this, hopefully we'll see maybe some disagree, are avoiding an approach that's sort of like a realism approach that says, you know, okay, they meant whatever they meant, but we can squeeze in, we can squeeze in this approach is actually better for society. That doesn't seem to be in the Rashba or the Rivash. They seem to be, you know, either you're looking at the text or you're looking at the original intent. Um, and in terms of what the text is, what, you know, as you said, there's like the living, the living uh, document approach, which I don't really see here. But I agree. I don't even know if the if the people writing here are conscious of that distinction. Meaning, it's a pretty machudish idea, and uh, you know, I don't know. But it sounds like also it's very it's very close in time, right? Like you had the framers, you had the authors of the Takana. They handed it off to this other fellow. This other fellow is interpreting. It's not like there were 230 years for the 
you know, for, uh, for like the context and the meaning of words to all change such that there'd be such a difference between, you know, uh, you know, the living, the living text that can change in meaning over time. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I think, I, I don't think they had that in mind, but I don't think they thought it, I don't think they were actively rejecting it, but I don't even think it was a Havamina. So, so what's, what's the Havamina of the Shoel? The Havamina of the is, yeah. is that, is that um, they let me, they empowered me to interpret this Takana and I interpret it not based on what the words say, but I interpret it on what's best for the community. So if, uh, you know, if, but whatever Isn't it is. Isn't that um, exactly the thing you said they didn't think of? Sorry? Isn't that thing that you just said is the Havamina of the Shoel? Isn't that exactly the thing you said before they didn't think of? No, what I was saying, I, I think they wouldn't have thought of is is the is the possibility, the prospect that a word meant one thing in original context and means something else now. Um, wow. What they would be open to is that the word meant a range of things throughout. Probably the original Misaka meant A, but for policy reasons, I'm going to go with B. I think that's what they're rejecting. Interesting. Okay. Um, so that's that's part one. Now, part two or really though those two lines in the dark emotion that we skipped before, we'll go back to now, and we'll look at a, a shut rush, and then a radaf of David Cohen that talk about ta'us. Because of course, one man's interpretation is another man's ta'us, as we'll see is a bit of a fuzzy line here, and this will complicate things a bit further. So dark emotion says, Chubas a rush, that there's an error, im modim shu Obviously, uh, if everyone says, oh, you, you said the wrong word, we can fix that. And there's a debate. You go with rov and rov and fix the error. Okay, so let's look at this inside. 16. They wanted to say an exception uh, for Ruben ben Yaakov. Oops. They accidentally, in, in the written form, we have Ruben ben Yitzchak wrong, right? Yeah, all Yaakov's Yitzchaks, they're all the same. Someone got confused. <laughs> but now Ruben ben Yaakov is very annoyed because he was supposed to be excluded from whatever this Sav was, maybe maybe a different monopoly, I don't know. He wanted to be excluded from it and it said the wrong name and now he's not excluded. We go after the text, so he should be excluded, no? That's the Sheila Tshuva. Al Tos Sheyesh Ben Ruben Ben Yaakov Ruben Yitzchak Im Yesh Safik Badaver Ezmei Motziu Yalcher Achaksav. If there's actually a doubt, they're like, wait, wasn't there a Ruben Ben Yitzchak? Maybe he was the guy who who did it. Um, we're not sure which guy it was who you know who uh, convinced the the board to uh, to let him out of the monopoly. If there's any Safik, then you can't do it. You just go with Aksav. Aval Im Ein Safik Badaver Ve'Akol Modin Ve'Akol Omrim Sheskim Lohozi Ruben Yaakov. In Shagag has so fair, but in this uh, right class, like what you were saying before, that they made it kind of there was one person writing it down. I don't know, real time or not real time or whatever it was, but there was a person writing it down who wrote it wrong. Lo hipsid Ruben Yaakov, he shouldn't lose out just because the you know the typo. The ain't a suffix on Nolad, Jeyelhu Akharaksav. That's not a new suffix that you follow the text. There never was a suffix, it was a vandai all along. And now, just to make things a bit more uh, a bit more extreme, now, right, because he said it's obvious, everyone agrees, it's no, no suffix at all. But what if it's a debate as to whether it was actually Ruben ben Yaakov or meant to be Ruben ben Yitzchak? 
You don't need everyone to say it was a mistake. All you need is 51% of the people to say that it was definitely a mistake. Right? But if 51% of the people say it was definitely meant to be Ruben Yaakov, 49% say it was definitely meant to be Ruben and Yitzchak, um, that's enough to say Taos, and you can undo the whole text. Now, um, you know, I, let's, let's presume there are no uh, bad actors, uh, but if there were bad actors, you can see how no law actually counts. Right? Any law on the books, it doesn't matter what's written. All you need is a group of people to say, no, 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 that was a typo. It meant to say mutter, not usser. And you can undo, you undo, undo everything. Now, again, I think there aren't, probably weren't that many bad actors uh, of this sort, you know, in so extreme of a way. Maybe that's not the most common uh, thing to happen, but it does show how, how pretty radically flexible the system is, right? You can just say toes and you've erased the whole law, um, right? Again, assuming everyone's acting in good faith, maybe that wouldn't happen too frequently or wouldn't really matter, but it just shows a lot of flexibility. But now going back to look at the Radach, first as cited in the Dark Emotion, because of Radach, uh, so the basic point of the Radach, the larger point, is pretty straightforward. We judge the Takana based on the original intent at the time of the Takana. Just like a Neder, this is consistent with the Darche Moshe, what the Darche Moshe said for the, Rash, for the Rashba, which apparently the Rashba didn't actually mean. He says a similar thing for the Radach. But let's look at the Radach. It's a long piece. We're not going to get through the whole thing, but is, it's, you know, it's, it would be several pages. His main point at the end is to come out like, like the, uh, like the uh, dark emotion, that most of the time you go by intent. But the chunk that's here, or at least part of it, he talks about an important exception to this. And it's going to be based on sources 18 and 19. Gemara, Gemara says, uh, Even if you think a publicly made nether can be undone, Aldas Rabim Ein and a, a promise that's made al-das rabim, right, al-das ha-kahal, uh, on, the, on the knowledge of the many, of the community, that cannot be undone, right? Because you're never going to get everyone to agree to undo it, so definitionally it can't be undone. But there's an exception. That's only for an optional matter, right? Uh, make a takana that no one will eat, uh, will eat the chicken on Tuesdays. If it relates to a mitzvah, I don't know, you say people must eat Chicken during the nine days. I don't know if that counts or not, or whatever. But if it's for its bar mitzvah, then it can be undone. You can even undo a nether shudar das rabin. What's the example? Right, this teacher, the adri of acha al das rabin. Rav acha made a, a nether regarding him al das rabin to have a pasha presumably to fire him because he was he was doing bad things to the kids. The hadri ravina ravina brought him back. The oshtakaf the dia kavase because he didn't agree with him. It's not clear exactly what's going on. The Ron has an explanation. We'll look at it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see the Ron as quoted by the Radach for reasons of time. But let's look at, at the Radach. And we'll start, uh, we'll start about halfway through the piece. Right? So in a case like ours, um, which, is, uh, which is a Dvar Mitzvah case, usually you can't undo a Nedro Das Rabim, El Dvar Mitzvah, except that it's our Mitzvah. Because Mordechai, Mishim, Rinatama, Tamu, Mishum, Right? You need das rabim. You need many people to matter it. Oh, the neder al datum. The neder is on their on on their knowledge, so they would all need to matter. Mister, They would generally not be made for avo. With var mitzvah anansadi bilidvar mitzvah nichlu. But if it's for mitzvah, we don't need to ask every person to undo it. We know, of course, to allow for a mitzvah. Of course, people will undo 
a nether and the community would agree to it, so you don't even need to ask them, Yemen on Sadi. Okay. Let's figure out how this works. Um, right, so uh, if if people spell out um, Plony and Plony, so and so, who is no there on our das, um, that we're okay with being made for it with Varshus the Ishlafara, that that's like a normal Hafara Davarshus. On Anstama Amrinan Dal Das Rabim ain't Lafara, but usually Al Das Rabim that that wouldn't work. Besu Dal Das Rabim the Rabbanan Kibir Rabim the Rabihuda Uber Rabim the Rabihuda ain't Lafara Klau Afilum Yirtzo Rabim Lafara. This is the classic case. The Givonim, they said they wouldn't kill them uh, if they made this treaty. It was under false pretenses. It doesn't matter. It was Robin, they can't undo it. You can't undo it. So even if, in actuality, the many, the community, want to undo it, you still can't undo it. So how do we explain this? What's shot here? So he says, Lomar, the Rabbeinu Tamzal, Mode, Nami, Daldas Rabim, Mishum Dalima Milsa, Tuva, Eno Hafara. Right, Aldas Rabim, it's such a strong nether, you can't undo it. Ela, the Tzvar Mitzvah, but if it's Tzvar Mitzvah, Anansadi, the Oso Rega, Atmo, Janadar, Aldas Rabim, Paisa Datam, the Tzvar Mitzvah, Lo Yeheha Neder, Neder. It was the intention of the community, of the Rabim, of everyone, when you made your Neder, that it wouldn't apply for Mitzvah related things. It's only a nether aldas rabim for things that are rishus because the rabim sort of built in to exclude bar mitzvah at the time. Not that they actually thought this, but we impute to them that thought. Therefore, presumably, they want to under the nether and it won't it won't go. Roshu Gores, Gorem, or maybe Gores Kiahum Kari Darziki, Bamar's Lom Rinan Dilzar Mitzvah Yishlafara, Ela Keena Hi Uvda. So, what's the story in the Gemara that we read? The Havale Kein Nidre Taos. It's like a nether in error. Why? What's the Taos? What's the Taos here that we say there's a mitzvah, right? Because of a mitzvah and an, an, an error made in this Takana or in this Shvua that we, well, without undoing it, what happened? Shem Sovrim Shatinokos Yatslichu Yosabili Mudam Bimakari Darziki Acher. They fired Rabbi A because they thought Rabbi B would actually be more effective. Turns out they were wrong. Turns out Rabbi B was actually less effective than Rabbi A. That's a toast. And that toast means that the firing through, through a pakana or through a neder, firing Rabbi A was never chal because it's against the mitzvah. Right? It's undermining the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. And even if it's al-das rabim, it's not chal, right? What does it mean al-das rabim? Presumably they... I don't know, presumably this was done, they'd have some sort of, you know, hire and fire people the way we do now, there'd be some sort of takana, so-and-so is no longer the teacher, this is a nether al-das rabin, right? And that's the rabbi, and then it's undone at the end of the year, or a few months in, when they realize the, the, the boys aren't learning. A nether that involves a mitzvah, where it's not that the nether is a tos, you can't usually, right, you make a nether that, um, you make a nether that uh, you, you won't eat, you won't drink Gatorade. Then you realize it's going to be harder for you to fast on Yom Kippur without Gatorade. Okay, that's very nice. Unless there's a toast there, you can't undo it. Ain lo'afara. Vim kein dimnidon nidon askama dibedivrei mitzvahu l'fi hargelim hara asher gilu kfar asher bamashilad ha'taraso averahi 
Pshita de Ein Lafar, Kemen Shahodu al Das Rabim, Delima Milsa Tuva, Dinach Sibna. Right, so in our case, it's just a bad practice that people had. There was no error in judgment, so you wouldn't be able to undo it. But what comes out of this Radah? Uh, he comes out, this is not the part of the Ramat quote, but this is what he says that if what someone makes a net there, including a takana, right, das rabim, you make a communal takana, um, and it conflicts with a mitzvah, and it's based on an error, it can be undone, right, tos. So we already saw, and I think this is part of why the Darche Moshe brings it down here, right, because he talks about the rush on, on tos, the rush, the Chumas rush is talking about tos of writing the wrong word. Then he talks about the radach, I mean, he talks about many things there, but one of the things the radach talks about is tos. If you make a nether, al-das rabim, that conflicts with a mitzvah, and is based on a toes, it's not chal. What's the mechanics of it? Interesting, the rabim excluded themselves from mitzvah things, and the toes sort of undoes itself. But what comes out according to that is, any time you have a takana, like this one, where you thought you were doing something good, it turns out you were doing something bad. You raise taxes. Turns out that was counterproductive for the economy. People are worse off now that you raise taxes. You collected less taxes, even though you raised the rate. You can then say, okay, well, that takana, our takana to raise taxes was a takana bitaos. It's, uh, it's hurting people's income. It's hurting the public good. Um, and, uh, and it's affecting people's mitzvos. We now can undo our takana because it was bitaos, because it's against the, uh, it's a neder barabim, a neged bar mitzvah, and uh, retroactively, lower the tax rate at the beginning of the year, or undo any takana, undo any takana that, because you had incorrect assumptions at the beginning, leads to bad things and affects possible mitzvah observance. I think you can extrapolate all that from, from the case of the Radach here. If so, and again, this isn't quite interpretation in the classical sense, but it basically means that you can revoke any takana without a formal revocation process. All you need is to decide that the takana wasn't, uh, that the takana was based on a tos and is undermining a mitzvah, and then it's void, just like, just like a, uh, right, a neder, al-das rabim, lidvar mitzvah can be undone. So it's not clear who's empowered to do that, right? That's what's not clear from here, but it seems like there's an additional, an additional factor here. However, however you construe it, whoever is empowered to do this, it would seem, uh, it would seem that, there's a, a third factor here. It's not about original intent. It's not about the text. It's against both of those things very clearly. Um, but this is interpretation on the basis of, or strong, maybe more than interpretation, on the basis of a, an interpretive principle. Right here, the principle being uh, Dvar Mitzvah. You want the, the voice to learn, or you want whatever other thing to be affected. You want effective. You want the public good to be effective. It would seem like at least something that, that it can be, can be defined as a toast. Uh, in a case where um, in a case where it affects people's mitzvah observance, which is probably most things, if you cast your net wide enough, you can you can uh, interpret laws out of existence on this basis. So, putting that forward, and maybe this is what the radach means. Maybe that's why the ramah quotes him in the context of taos that there's room, at least in some cases, to have a broad interpretive principle. Um, call it natural law, or you know, a Dworkinian principle. Uh, of sorts, and say if the if the uh, takana is undermining people's mitzvah observance, and it's based on faulty premises, then it can be undone as is. You don't need to revoke the takana; you just say the takana was never chal.
This is based on Taurus and it goes against Mitzvah. So that would be a third uh, form of interpretation or more than interpretation. Yeah. That, that we follow not just what the text says and not what the authors meant, intended, but rather some general principle of supporting the good or supporting mitzvah um, when, when there was some uh, error in the process. I just had a question. What if the Takana was originally, like originally was serving the people and then later on, like because of time change? If I heard correctly, the question is what's if the, what if the Takana was originally good and then became bad later? Yeah. The impact was originally good and then became bad later. That is an interesting question. I don't know if we have enough to judge based on um, based on what the Radach himself said, because the case there was where it was just bad, or it was just a toast. I would guess probably most likely if it started off good and then became bad, it's harder to say that that's really a toast, right? It's more like it's a trade-off. But if it really started off good and then went in the bad direction, harder to say that's a toast. And uh, so I think I think maybe it would be it would be harder to apply the radach there. Could you clarify? Uh, reading the radach, it seems to me like they're he's complete. He he claims Rabbi Tom and the Ron are saying the same thing, even though Rabbi Tom doesn't mention those, and the Ron is entirely based on those. So, wait, can you, do you have a consistent reading of that? Um, if I understood the question, it was. Why is he conflating the Rabbeinu Tam and the Ran if one is based on Talos and the other is not? Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and I, I guess probably that would involve uh, a bit more Ian in those in those sources. But um, I don't know. Did you think that affects his conclusion? So I have a, I, you know, I, I have a, a hypothesis. Okay. And then I thought it was that he thinks there are two there are two um, ways of undoing things. One is if the right, one is a presumption as to what they intended. That's what it's on. Right? So right, so you can say in certain cases they would never have made this takana um, in order to you know, they never intended this takana to stand in the way of the mitzvah. And that's right, that's when you have another mitzvah you know, off off screen, right? You say I made takana, I made takana about banning bringing in wine, but they would never intend that to prevent anyone from making Right, that's one kind. Then there's a second kind of case where where they know that the Tana is going to have an effect on the mitzvah, but they right, but they think that it'll have the opposite effect. That's the that's the Darnaki case. Right? They think it will improve Talmudara, and right, and actually it's going to damage Talmudara. That's a case where it's a toast. Right? They have to make that they can't say they didn't intend to affect it, because of course they intended to affect it. But they thought it would affect it one way. And right, so I think. I think that what he's trying to do is say that there are two ways in which you can undo Das Rabin. Uh, one way by saying that they never intended it, and the other way by saying that even if they intended it, it was a mistake. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, right, so the example I was I was giving, like the taxes, raising taxes, lowering taxes, that would be similar to the teacher case where they're trying to do a mitzvah and it ends up being an Avera or whatever, something like that. And uh, the alternative case is when they made a takana and then there was an unintended consequence of affecting mitzvah observance. And you think it's less likely that the Radak would also say it in those in the, that second class of cases? Well, I think there's enough community cases if I raise taxes and I find out afterwards not that it's a mitzvah, right? It's a choice, but I find out that the, the, the rise in taxes in fact 
diminishes Torah scholarship in the community. Right, that's not a bimokom mitzvah. That's a consequence. That I, right, that's, a con- that's a consequence that it's not a toast, that we just weren't thinking about that. Right, right, that's, what, that's what I want to argue in the end. In the end, he's trying to explain right? you know, that you can't reverse everything because if you have an unintended consequence that's not part of your original scheme, and that you can't say, well, they never would have meant that because, of course, like, they have all the economic right, you know, consequences. Right? That's what, as I said, now that needs a lot more formulation. Um, but that's the, that's the, uh, the lightning round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I'm, I, yeah, I need to think about it more also, how, how broadly to apply the Radach. Um, I think however broadly you apply it or not, I think it does allow for room for this idea of interpretation based on broader principles, although through the track of Taos rather than formally through, uh, you know, it's not technically Lashon Mesubak. There's no suffix at all. It's just a bad Takana that you can uh, erase. Maybe, maybe you know, if you wanted to be extreme about it, you could say that it's a form of uh, judicial realism that you can, you know, there's room to do anything, whatever you think is best, as long as you can just say it's a, it's a toast and there's a mitzvah involved and therefore it's bad. That, if you take the broad reading of the Radach, maybe there's room for realism. We're running low on time. So I'm gonna to try to move through the rest of the materials more quickly and to allow for if other people want, I mean, we had one, one question from, from uh, the crowd um, but if other people want to weigh in also, we'll try to move a bit, a bit quicker. So we're going to move now from Akana to, um, oh, so yeah, 20, just look at 21 quickly. This other Radach, number 20, um, that we didn't read, that goes with the idea that if you see the text is, um, is written uh, is written wrong. It's pretty clear you know what the intention is, but the text pretty clearly doesn't say that you can just assume it's a Taos Sofer. So this again is the Radach allowing Taos to play an outsized role in affecting the Zakana, although a very different sort of Taos, not like a Taos Sofer, a scribal error, a minor thing, uh, a typo, rather than a Taos in judgment. Okay, but let's move now from Takana to Shtar. Right? Takana is a communal enactment. It's sort of, it's seen generally like a neder, and, uh, and that's one thing, a star, although the problems are similar, right? You'll formulate a star, there'll be ambiguous language, there'll be questions you can raise. A star is, is, a, you know, is a financial document. It doesn't have the power of a ned there, generally. So um, let's look at Yud Aleph, Halach Yud Aleph in the tour here. Right, the borrower and lender are standing in front of us. It says, you know, I'm lending you this money. If you need to collect it, feel free to go to the secular courts. We say, you know what? Even though the borrower told you you can collect in, in secular courts, you're not allowed to. Right? There's an iser of uh, of using uh, secular courts, uh, etc. And uh, and therefore, you must go to the Jewish court. Okay. If he doesn't listen, we put him in in shanta in the form of cherem for going to the secular courts. So what, what about if it's in the star? What if you write in the star? Right, You can collect this in any court, Jewish or not. We can interpret that, not literally. That as first resort, you can interpret, you can uh, you can collect anywhere, but rather not going into the Torah. What does the star mean when it says you can collect in Jewish court or secular court? It doesn't mean as a first resort, it means if the, the borrower is a powerful person and won't listen to the Jewish courts, 
then as a last resort, you can bring in the secular courts. That's what it means. The star does not, however, empower the, uh, the, the lender to go straight to the secular courts. So again, here we see interpretation of the star based on not the intent, it seems, but based on some external factor, meaning halacha. It's usher to go to uh, Dayane Akum. It's not, you know, it, it's not ma'akev per se, whatever that would mean, or it might be. That's actually a bit of a question. But um, we don't say that you can contract around it. It's all question about whether uh, whether you can be masnal mashgasavatora, but dini mamanos or not. We don't allow for that. We say no. It must mean what the star meant is uh, that uh, you can you'll go as a last resort to the secular court. There's no way of collecting through Jewish court. Okay. Um, fine. So let's jump now to the Shulchan Aruch on, on this, in parallel to this. Um, and uh, we'll see an interesting contrast between Sif Tezvav and Tezayin. Sif Tezvav, Medaptigin Lashon Ashtar, Medanin Alpi Oso Dikduk. We are precise with the language of, this, of the star, of the contract. And we judge based on uh, that Dikduk, on that precision. We don't say he doesn't know what he's doing, he just wrote something and didn't mean it. No, we're very precise. In interpreting the star based on length. That's position A. Position B. Yesh Misha Omer, someone says, and often that may mean that it disagrees with what we just said. Someone says, the person makes a condition with their fellow. You don't follow what's written in the star. You follow the intent, not what's written. So this, again, that question we raised before regarding Takanos. You follow the text, but you follow the intent. Um, that we had to sort of pull it out a little bit. Here it seems like the Shulchan Aruch sets it up like a machlokas, two different views. Do you follow the text or do you follow the intent? And uh, everyone says the person who's, who has this principle of following the intent rather than the text is Rabbeinu Yerucham. Let's, uh, let's take a look at number 26, the Beis there. We follow the Kavana. Where does that come from? Meisharim. Namely, the Rabbeinu Yerucham, source 27. Um, right, as it says, the third line towards the end, Whenever two people have an agreement, um, you follow not the text, but the intent. The Raya is and here's the proof. Let's look at the Gemara and just see the proof, right? A person, a woman, uh, a man goes over to a woman and says, uh, will you marry me? And she says, uh, sorry, he says to her, I'll marry you. I'll marry you on condition that I show you $200, but I'm not poor. I, I can show you $200. That, will you marry me on that condition? Then she agrees. She's married. He has to actually show her $200. He goes and, and you know, says, hey, look. There's $200 over there. It's not mine, but there's $200. That doesn't count. It needs to be his own money. He needs to actually show that he has $200 to his name. And the Gemara explains, Lone is coming, Elo Liros Michelot in 29. Right? She, doesn't, she doesn't really care that he can show her a two, you know, $200 in the world. She wants him to have $200 to his name that he actually owns. And so that's the Rini Rucham's proof that when you have a tonight, written, verbal, whatever it is, you don't follow the text. You follow the intention. This, um, this actually gets cited in the context of an article about the prenup that Ray Willig wrote, um, right? Uh, case when the document's plain language obligates the husband, even though it's clear the intent of the parties is not to obligate. And what's the halacha? 
Shulchan Aruch says, we follow the intention rather than the language following Hezayin and Rabbeinu Yerucham. He quotes Rabbeinu Yerucham and discusses it a little bit. But um, this is not fully clear because Tezbav, the very previous Sif, uh, seems to go in a different direction. So um, source 32, I think, basically agrees with the right But source 33 set this up as a conflict. Right? First, it quotes, uh, it quotes the idea of Medakting Lashon Ashtar, Vedan Al Pi Oso Diktuk. Right, which is based on the Raman, the Rivash, etc. But in the Shulchan Aruch, you, you are precise with the language of the Shtar and judge on that basis. But then he says, he quotes the, the next piece, right? The end of the bottom of page eight. You don't follow the text, you follow the intention. So it's a steer in the Shulchan Aruch. What do we do? Right? So one approach is the Shulchan Aruch actually has a machlokas. There's two different views. I think that's the simplest way of reading it. Right? Position A, you follow the text. Position B, Yesh Mishomer, you follow the intention. Um, this uh, this uh, uh, fellow, what's his name? The, uh, the this is the decision of the Beit Din Ezori of Haifa. They want to say that it's not it's not actually a machlokas, and they do it on the basis of an article by Rav Avram Meislis, and um, so we'll jump to, from that extended quotation, we'll jump to the third little paragraph there. So it says, in Iksuba, the woman can collect, uh, the woman can collect Iksuba even before her husband dies, even while they're married. That's nonsensical. By definition, Iksuba only is collectible once either, once the marriage is dissolved, meaning either the husband dies or there's a divorce. So this, there's a tonight in Iksuba, it says this can be collected at any time, even before death, even before divorce. We don't follow the condition there. Why? It's against the din, so therefore we don't follow it. Why did it say it there? It just said there to make it stronger because you know we like a strong suba. That way, uh, that way, uh, so that's, we follow the intention. So that's why we wouldn't follow a text of a tuba that says, go against it directly. But so, what's the basis here? We interpret, we interpret a star not to go against the din. That's why we'll, that's when we resort to intention. If it's an explicit condition against the law, against the then we say, well, obviously they didn't mean that. And the intention must be not this tonight. And jumping to the next mini paragraph, we diverge from precision in the language of the star in order, uh, in, in order to, well, sometimes to follow the intention, the estimated intention of these sides. Is those kasher lashon star he benigud gamur lahalacha? This happens. Sounds like only in his view when it goes against the halacha. So the way he understands it, usually we follow diktuk lashon star. If the language of the star goes against the halacha, then we have we 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 can't say that there's some independent principle the fact that that you interpret the star in light of the halacha. We say instead we project that the intention of the parties was not to diverge from the halacha, and therefore we can interpret the star in line with the halacha. So. I think this is an interesting uh, explanation of the of the of the two possibilities of interpretation. Right, it's not a machlokes text versus intention. Rather, you usually go with the text. 
if the intention goes against, if the if the text goes against the halacha, then you say it must be that uh, that they didn't mean it, that their intention was otherwise. And this is an example of um, this is an example of um, of sort of two two uh, different spars working together, right? The, the principle of not wanting to go against halacha and the interpretive idea of following the intention somehow work together here against against uh, the the, uh, what the text itself says. But I think what what we hopefully see is that both in the context of of, uh, of Takana, and even in the context of Shtar, all three of these views have at least some purchase. The idea of going with the text, the idea of going with intention, and the idea of, of going with, uh, of following the, uh, of following some broader principle, at least in some way have factored in, which interestingly is parallel to three of the more important uh, principles of statutory interpretation. And uh, we have four minutes now for questions and discussion. So uh, I'd love to hear what people think. Uh, and uh, we can, yeah, we can. Uh, and I'm happy to continue the discussion online. You have my email address from the handout and uh, happy to, you know, uh, to be in touch with uh, anyone in any event. So I think uh, all the normal litigation cases are not- I, I cannot hear anything. <laughs> I don't know. It's not facing. Hello, you hear that? Is it better? No. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Now it was there for a second, but. One second, let's try. Uh, is this better? Can you hear me now? Minimally. Why don't you try and we'll see what happens. All right. Um, I think in most char cases, the cases that come to litigation are not cases that either party thought of during the writing of the char. So normally going after the Kavana is only relevant in cases where they're imprecisely written. But when they're precisely written, usually all the shower cases that are interesting, there was no Kavana. No one talked about what would happen if the house was struck by lightning while I'm building in before you buy it. And that's why we're in court now, trying to decide who's responsible to own the house. So it's kind of, and that's the kind of case when the doctrine of the shower makes sense. If you're trying to interpret the fairest thing to do is to try to get what they got out of other parts of the shower or whatever they wrote. But Normally, going after the Kavana doesn't really work in the normal cases, but then usually those aren't the cases you get the litigation, unless one party is being opposite. Right. So I think it depends a little bit on what you mean by Kavana here. Um, so usually, as you said, usually the whole the only reason there's dispute after a contract is if you didn't contract around specific scenarios. But that doesn't that doesn't exclude the possibility that one party or both parties had very specific thoughts over the general direction of how the contract is supposed to work. Right. So. If you say, you know, if you exclude scenario A and scenario B and scenario C, you don't spell out scenario D, but it seems pretty clear that the parties at the time meant to exclude it, then this, that's what Rainy Rukum would mean, right? Scenario D comes up. No one thought of it, but had they thought of it, they obviously would have excluded it. They just didn't manage to formulate that in the star sure by the intention the rather than the language. I don't think Sorry. it's a thought. I think what Rainy Rukum means is that we have a case which we tried to say something in the contract and we and we interpret it as what we tried to say, not what we actually said. Whereas in a case where it's not mentioned, I would not think of any of the five we got it For example, not in secular law, to give another very specific example, not in secular law, if you say no, no plants are allowed in this situation, and you can't plant any plants. But if you say no sunflowers, no corn, and no apples, then you can plant certain types of plants. So if you have a very long list of plants, you assume that if you specify a bunch of them, you intend to exclude the ones you didn't specify. So 
Right. So, but I think usually you can figure out what the person's intention was. I think there's what is there like their uh, no, heart the or someone who has would not do it. In that case. I think if he was precise and they made a list of plans that they're excluding, I think they would. Well, say depends it. what you mean by a list. If you give like three categorical examples, the most common plants, you need to specify every single plant. Or I think the example that Hart gives in one place, if you say no horses are allowed in the park, mm -hmm. and then people stop riding horses, they start driving cars. So are you allowed to have a car in the park? It didn't say you can't have a car, but it's pretty clear what they meant. It meant they didn't want vehicles, things that people move no, around so on in the park. I think the video, I disagree. I think the video, I disagree. I think the video, 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 I and, it, and, and you're start, you know, riding your horse under a bridge, you argue that's not on the park, that's the kind of case that they could do. But I think in the case that you said, when they said no horse in the park, when people start driving cars, now you'll drive a car in the park, and you can say, okay, the purpose of saying no horse in the park, but we don't go into that much detail. Okay, to, oh, I, think, I, I think we disagree on, I think we disagree on how to read Rainy Rukum. I think that for my Willig's reading, sounds like it's along the lines I was suggesting, because he talks about the intention and the goal of these conditions is what we follow. But uh, I can see, look, I, I, uh, I can see how you take a, uh, I don't know if you wanna call it a more formalist approach um, to what intention is, which is sort of ironic to work around the workaround. And uh, I can see how you read Rabini Rucham that way. I can see it, but I don't think that's Sean Rabini Rucham. That's not the intention of Rabini Rucham at the very least. All you can't have litigation. You say, what do you think our purpose of this document was? And then use that to try to interpret the result. I think you have to you know, specifically say, what was the purpose of this sentence? And if you try to get that sentence right, like, that would be better. I think you can. It's the same issue as you have with all the blue students. People might work or might not work. Um, does, that, does other people have questions? I'll just point out one last thing, which is they're really going to you know, go one step further because the is. He's going by the intent of the drafters of the, the drafters of the document, not the signers. I think because he's not right, because it could be that the particular couple signing read the document and, and understood it perfectly well. And the fact that when he wrote it you know, 20 years ago, that's not what he meant. Is the, uh, yeah, that's, that's also a pivot, right? To say that, the, that, that a standard document is interpreted by the intent of, by the, intent of the drafters and not by the intent of the signers. That, that's, uh, that's a step further. Um, it's interesting. I have to go look and see what 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 clause it is. I hope that's the one that we fixed. Yeah, I did. I didn't check that recently, so I don't uh, I don't know offhand. But I just figured it's uh, useful to see this is not just a theoretical debate, but really plays out in in contemporary issues. Uh, interesting. Okay. All right. Thank you very very much. That was very very useful and, and fun to listen to. And now I have and I have lots to think about. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's always the goal. And um, I think this is uh, the second time I'm doing this virtually. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll make the offer I made last year, which is if anyone, uh, you know, especially people I haven't met before, want to have a chat so we get to know each other a little bit um, in the way that we would if I were coming in person, uh, just feel free to, to shoot me an email or whatnot. And, um, you know, pleasure learning together. And, uh, yeah, and uh, enjoy, enjoy the, uh, the SBM. It's always, always a real... Uh, a pleasure and a, a growth opportunity. So, that's the to everyone. Yeah, thank you very much. Regards to all the All right. Thank you. Bye bye.